0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Almighty Podcast. This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And as always, I'm joined by
1: Adam Sims from
0: BackPatioNetwork.com. And we are finally almost caught up. Yeah, One- finally. One of these weeks, we're going to be like, we're finally caught up. And it still probably won't be true because of the way that we're thinking about releasing these episodes. But at least we'll be, we're we're about as close as we're going to get, I think, as far as our release schedule is going to go.
1: Oh, we'll be caught up behind the scenes. You know what I
0: mean? That's right. That's right. So,
1: and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be caught up with us too, because I bet with our new release schedule being, you know, once or twice a month, depending on how many weeks in the month there are. And of course, depending on My Hero's release schedule, because I think we've already been notified. There is a week coming up where they are skipping a week. So if they skip a week, we'll have to skip a week and it's going to get wonky. But as always, just check our social media, be in the Discord. You'll see it, you'll know it when we post an episode.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll continue hyping up Almighty Mondays when they happen. You know, we've had the luxury of having Almighty Mondays every Monday for the last several months. But the time is coming that will not quite be true we might still do something on mondays and we definitely will still do things on tuesdays for trivia tuesday and such like that but just uh you know follow us on twitter and i promise you won't miss a beat at almighty pod
1: definitely definitely or hang out in the discord with us we're talking about anime in there almost every day anyways and we got a great bunch of folks in there that love to talk shows so we have a lot of a lot of fun with our community it is true but
0: today we're talking about Seasons four, episodes one and two, which uh, in like, if you're, you know, anime numbering things, this would be episode 64 and episode 65. And episode 64 is totally off book. It is nowhere to be found in the manga.
1: I would never have guessed that. Like it was a, it kind of felt like a, it reminded me of those old Marvel comic books. I think I like to call it the Stan Lee standard because, you know, within the first few pages of every comic, it was like... You knew exactly who all of the characters were. You knew what the last four issues had covered. You, you could pick up almost any comic that was Marvel for a little while and know exactly what was going on. And that's really what this episode is. I mean, you, you could be right off the streets, never heard of My Hero Academia, watch the first few minutes of this and understand that All Might's been taken out of power, who Class 1A is and who all of the students are and what their powers are. I mean, it's, it's really well formulated for an off-book episode, for a filler.
0: Yeah, a lot of my notes for this episode actually are about how there's a there's an, a sequence in episode 64 where this journalist who we're introduced to at the very beginning of the episode, his name is Taneo Takuda, and he gets permission to go and kind of spend a day at the UA dorms, and he does it like he's he pitches it to um, like a what is the what's the person in charge of a newsroom called again? Um, like what was J Jonah the Jameson? Editor in chief or
1: chief okay. and editor, chief editor.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Um, so he pitches it to this, to this group of people under the, he says, all right, listen, I think that when all might said you're next, uh, at the end of the all for one fight, that he wasn't talking to the villains, which is how almost everybody was, um, coloring that particular phrase, but he was talking to like somebody who would be his successor. And I have reason to believe I might be able to figure out who that person is if I can get inside of UA and spend some time with this particular class of people because uh, it's the first class since he got to the school. He spends a lot of time with them. Um, so he he kind of gets some credentials, gets approval from UA, um, and he goes inside of the uh, of the school, inside of the dorms, and kind of observes them for a day. I really like one of the things that he says, too, in this like newsroom during his sales pitch for what he wants to do. <laughs> He says, uh, wouldn't All Might, if he was talking to the villains, wouldn't he have said, uh, I'll get you bastards next or something like this? And I was like, I don't know, would All Might have said that? I mean, with the news watching and
1: everything? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I I do like the fact, though, that he is totally, like, going into the school under the guise that he is just reporting on dormitory life at UA, while he's actually trying to, like, you know, covert ops, this secret investigation into who All Might's next successor is going to be. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, and Aizawa is immediately suspicious. <laughs> yeah, because I think he even asks something like, so uh, All Might's working with these guys, isn't he? You know, like he's being really kind of straightforward with Aizawa and he's like, all right, something's up with this guy. He's not evil, but yeah, he's a reporter. There's something <laughs> wrong with him.
0: Yeah, his quote in the, the version that I watched said, the reporter's up to something, but it, isn't, it doesn't smell criminal, is what he says.
1: Well, you got to remember, <laughs> we're like, watching <laughs> the same version now. I'm, I am now watching my hero, as you always say, the way God intended.
0: Oh, are you? I, yeah, I, so they, I had to watch these on Hulu. Is that how you're watching them?
1: Yeah, that's how I'm watching them, too. And the English version, the dub version, won't come out for a long time. I mean, they, they probably oh. won't have dub for six or seven months now, I, I would assume, because they only had that's sub That's true. So, I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, it's look at you. really hey, look hard. At, hey, welcome to the club, buddy. Yeah, it feels weird. Like I, So previously I've been able to watch the episodes and take notes at the same time. Now I feel bad because I'm having to like pause and then take notes because uh, I'm having yep. to read along as I go, you know? Yep, uh, I, have so, my comp-
0: I have my left hand on ASDF and my right hand on the clicker yeah. when I'm watching My <laughs> yeah. Hero on TV. Well,
1: <laughs> and it's so weird because I'm so used to the voices that the you know Japanese voices, while well, they're great. The voice acting is phenomenal, don't get me wrong, but they're not my heroes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so mm-hmm. used especially Sue. Sue has this really fun, like, froggy voice in the English version, and she just sounds like a normal voice actor in, in the Japanese version. Like, they don't put any kind of emphasis on the frog, you know?
0: I was going to ask who was the most jarring voice. I wouldn't have guessed Sue. Sue was the most jarring for me,
1: just because the, the, the Japanese voice actor doesn't put this, like, yeah, I'm going to say froppy voice acting on. You know what I mean? Because the, hmm. the English voice actor just has this frog-like tone to it. Well, now um, I
0: have to watch Sue in English because I have... I, I Think that she's plenty froggy in the Japanese.
1: <laughs> really, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe just because it more sounds
0: like very like back of the throat. Like the way that that voice actor speaks, it's almost like she pulls her chin in and 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 raises her voice up some and keeps everything very throaty.
1: Yeah, that's how the or, English voice actor does it. But I didn't catch that much in this, these two episodes. So maybe I just need to maybe I need to hold my judgment for a little bit. We'll yeah,
0: say. and she, well, she doesn't really say all that much in this episode. I don't yeah. think so.
1: I will say there was a moment where uh, oh, what's his name. Uh, he was, he was the guy, he's the hero that can clone himself. Um, he's really not Ectoplasm? Ectoplasm, yeah. He's really creepy sounding in the Japanese version.
0: Oh, yeah, um, dude. Yeah, like he's he's great. he's got a
1: super creepy voice. He's, he's so much fun. In the English version, it's just kind of deep. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of like creep factor there, but he's kind of got this weird like echoey gait on. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Aizawa is not as uh, dull sounding either. Aizawa in the English version has this kind of like, dull sound, like he's bored all the time, and I don't get that from the Japanese version. (laughs) See, I totally do. I I hear Aizawa is so bored, especially, and it could be a
0: relative thing, right? Like I'm so used to hearing Aizawa, his Japanese relative to all the other Japanese in the show, and he is tonally, he is very monotone and uninterested sounding. Huh. Um so I don't it's going to be fun to like hear you talk more about this. And yeah. I clearly I need to watch a couple of the episodes in English and see because I, I know, you know, Chris Sabat. I, I, I know his voice.
1: Right. Right. Um, it's hard. Like we have watched so many anime where he has acted in some, you know, former fashion as the main character. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So anyway, man, that was a that was a heck of an off track, but it was yeah. fun. I, I didn't even think about you having to watch it in Japanese until well, you said honest, that. People so.
1: listen to us for our sidetracks, not because of uh, yeah. the episode. <laughs> yeah,
0: because <laughs> they seen the episodes, they're not tuning in for that. Right. Manetta, um, of course, <laughs> before the reporter comes to the dorm, Manetta is freaking out because he thinks that uh, it's going to be a female.
1: Well, and, and so his he's logic like, is really funny too because he yeah. says something like, "Oh, reporter." That's going to be an announcer. And Sarah makes the mention of like, no, reporters from a newsroom and announcers for a TV show, you know? Yeah. Well,
0: Mineta's like announcer sounds like bouncer, which sounds like bouncy boobs. And like he gets wrapped up by Azawa and Azawa's like, yeah, this kind of thing isn't going to happen when this person gets here. And I think the dude is standing in the room like he snuck yeah. in during all of that going on, which is kind of funny.
1: Well, it's funny, but it's also kind of scary. I mean, the fact of the matter is some random dude was just able to get into the dorms without the teacher who is standing right there aware of his presence. That's true. And
0: Izawa is like, uh, what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah,
1: even he's like, dude, I didn't call you in here yet. And, you know, Takuda is just like, well, you said 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It is past 8 a.m.
0: There's this sequence. I started to talk about this earlier and I think we got sidetracked, but um, he just takes, it's like a bunch of snapshots. Um, Like he's carrying around a camera and he's taking all these Polaroids and he gets everybody um, from Class 1A in a picture at some point. And they use this as an opportunity to Remind everybody or let folks that are onboarding for whatever reason with season four, episode one, um, the names and the quirk, at least the quirk names of everybody.
1: Yeah, it was just a quick hero
0: montage. Yeah, but it also, I really liked this segment because... It, it was also very indicative of, of the personalities and some for of the group sure. dynamics. Yeah, for sure.
1: It reminded me a lot of the end of The Hangover. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but the very end is just like the, the pictures from like a candid camera or something. Yeah, yeah. And it reminded me of that. Like, it's just, it, it's great telling of the personality and group, the group dynamics of Class 1A. I mean, it, and then on top of that, the like montage where it shows each individual hero and their quirk. It shows them in their school outfit and it shows their hero outfit. And I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So just to run through these really quickly, do you mind? No, like I don't I'm care. just gonna blitz through these. Yeah. I, yeah, took, yeah. I took really detailed notes because I was like, man, this is really well, well done. Hey,
1: this is just like the Stanley standard, man. If someone out there is listening to this episode for the first time because they're interested in my hero, they're gonna be right here with us. They're gonna know everything we know now. Well, I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, I didn't focus on their quirks or anything like that. Just personalities and group dynamics. Was the, oh, that was well, the part you, that was catching my eyes.
1: You failed me. so I
0: know. Well, yeah. I mean, I can run down all the quirks. In <laughs> no, fact, I, okay. do, I do want to talk about one quirk. Okay, okay. At the very end. But let me get through the Polaroids real quick. All so right, let's do it. Midoriya is actively looking away because he doesn't want any undue attention. Totally Midoriya. Um, Sue and Ochako are photographed together, and they're just very casual. They're just doing what they always do. Uh, Ida is rigid at full attention, looking right into the camera lens. Mina and Hagakure are playing to the camera, like they're posing, you know, like sorority girls. Like Hagakure is like leaning all over Mina. Um, And then you can see Jiro and Momo in the background, and they look like they clearly don't want anything to do with any of this. Mineta is commiserating, presumably, about the fact that the reporter is a male um, with Kaminari. Kaminari is in that photo laughing at Mineta's misery. Koda looks nervous while Ojiro and Sero are trying to be friendly and interact with them. Then you have Kirishima and Sato who are pounding food. Those two are always eating. Always. Um, Todoroki is sipping tea, like from a very traditional looking, um, almost like a bamboo cup, before Aoyama photobombs it. Um, Shoji looks like he's praying. Uh, and then... I'm not sure what Tokoyami was doing. He, his eyes might have been closed. I just have Tokoyami, ellipses, question um, mark. So maybe his personality didn't quite come through. And then Bakugo finds out he's being photographed and then flips out. Um, but with the thing, I told you I wanted to talk about a quirk because the way that Tokoyami's quirk, we've talked about this before, but we're going to do it again. Tokoyami's <laughs> quirk is described as, and I quote, his quirk lets him manipulate the monster dark shadow. Okay. So it still sounds like, and I think we had pitched this out before that it's almost like he has a possession, and his quirk allows him to control it. So here's something: the quirk isn't dark shadow. That's what it made
1: it sound like. Right. So here's something I just thought of: that now that we're talking about this out loud, do you think this is like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, or like a The Hulk kind of deal, where he has this like, it's it's part of him, it's him internally. It's just that his quirk allows him to control it. Like if Bruce Banner was able to control the Hulk or, or if it's just like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde where, you know, Mr. Hyde's able to control Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. I don't like that as much. That kind of, I feel like that kind of like demeans his quirk because his quirk is really yeah. just kind of like mind power. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It's just the wording. I mean, and it's, we've, I've always, I don't want to lump you in with me if you weren't like this, but I've always struggled with his quirk. It's so cool. And I love it to death, but it's, it feels like an inconsistency somehow, like yeah, in, no, I in feel the world the same of quirks. Way.
1: And I think the reason why is because, and I, we mentioned this probably a little bit in our last episode, so many of these quirks follow some sort of logic and his doesn't. You know what I mean? It's just kind of it exists and it's very malleable. It seems to just fit the moment that Hira, Horikoshi needs it to fit.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, remember in the training episode where... He was like, just go stand in a dark cave and try to control it better. Like, it wasn't hone the dark shadow it was just learn to control it more. And that's that's those are two different things in my brain. But I'm probably way overthinking this. I'm sure somebody could explain it perfectly, reasonably well. But the way that they phrased it in this episode just triggered that whole series of thoughts in me all over again.
1: Well, because it's kind of one of those things where it makes you, like, there have been scenes where they've had conversations. So are him and Dark Shadow friends, and he's really just working on his abilities to talk his friends into doing what he needs them to do? You know what I mean? Like... Like Dark Shadow is a slave? Yeah, kind of. Or not even a slave, but just kind of like uh think like Firestorm, right? Like it's two individuals that have to cooperate with each other. So are they just like building a friendship together, you know? Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's yeah. it's just an it's just an oddity, that's all. I just point it pointed out literally every time I think about it. But I like <laughs> so, it though, because
1: I feel like every time you point it out, I come up with new ideas on how to justify that quirk.
0: Yeah. I maybe you know what, at this point. I mean, I don't know that the wiki would give us any answers, but it's not like he's a brand new character and I couldn't go read a little bit more in depth about his quirk
1: particularly. Yeah, but I feel like we've looked at his page and haven't noticed anything that like really outstanding. You know what I mean? Know. That Because that, that would have been something I feel like I would have seen already. That's true.
0: I don't know. Let's move on. Um, okay. The, <laughs> the journalist, I'm sorry. That one was totally my fault, but... Um, it's okay.
1: I, I, it's normally me. So this week, it's you.
0: So Takuda is kind of... Walking, We're inside of his brain at one point and he's narrowed down who he thinks the successor to All Might is to the six finalists from the tournament, which were Bakugo, Todoroki, Tokoyami, Kirishima, Midoriya, Ida. Um, And he says, my gut instinct tells me that it's Midoriya. And about this time, he's creepily watching Midoriya through a window. And All Might, in his Jinko Jean form, walks up and he's got some like meat pies or meatballs, something like that. Um, Some like pastry filled with meat. Um, and I also really like this scene where he's in his Jinko Jean forms and he goes to like a convenience store to get these things and he's immediately recognized. And this has got to be new for him because his Jinko Jean's form has been ousted nationally, like on the news. Yeah, which means the he,
1: first time we saw him, he was in his Jinko Jean's form in episode one, season one. And yeah. like no one recognized who he was because he yeah. was doing the same thing. He was just yeah. buying like groceries or something.
0: He can't go incognito in public anymore, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I don't know that that was a brand new experience. It's just the first time that we got to see it, and like the store owner flips out and just gives him everything for free, and kind of odd to potentially to All Might's character, he does take it. Yeah, like, I, I kind of felt I like thought he that, did that it was out of a respect. little strange. Yeah, I guess it could be a cultural thing. Like yeah, if you're like, offered something, you take it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. Because I like I know I've got uh, a friend who will actively generously like buy lunch for people and stuff if we go out to eat, you know, at work. And if someone is like, no, 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 I'll get it myself, he'll he'll take it like personally, like, well, why won't you let me do something nice for you? you know? Yeah. So yeah, I could fair. see it being I mean, this guy could just be thanking All Might, you know, it would be disrespectful oh, for de- him to, to be oh, like, yeah. No, I don't want your thanks.
0: Yeah, and he really was being thankful. I mean, yeah. he was he was elucidating, you know, enumerating all of these different things that All Might had done, not just for him or this city, but for the world. Um, so anyway, All Might rolls up to the porch, tells Midori he's got these pastries. They have a little bit of a chit chat. Um, I didn't record much of it. The only thing that I have written down is that at one point he puts his arm on Midoriya and he says, It's your turn. It's all of your turns. Mm -hmm. And I really like that line because, again, I think we talked about this maybe at the end of um, last week's episode that they're very much making it feel like a team thing instead of finding the greatest hero. It's All Might telling Bakugo Midoriya you two can be the greatest heroes plural and that kind of gets reemphasized in that one line and I really dug that.
1: Yeah I like it a lot too because and I'm just realizing this All Might didn't feel that way I don't think until his conversation with All for One a few episodes back because All for One was the one that made him realize that he had failed by not trying to train up a bunch of folks at once. So it seems like since then, his ideology has changed from there needs to be one symbol of peace to there can be many symbol of peace. Is symbol of pieces? Yeah. That's what I'm going to say with whatever. It would be symbols of peace. Sure. Yeah. That's what you're around for. (laughs) Like like mothers-in-law. Mothers-in-law. Yeah. So there would be multiple symbols of peace instead of just a symbol of peace. And I think that that is something he's adopted now. The idea that he can train multiple students up to replace him, not just one. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I don't think he thought that way just a couple episodes ago. He might not have, and you know, good for him for
0: for changing. You know, for he's he may have seen some flaws in his original plan. He, he could see flaws in having a singular symbol of peace from his own history and experience, recent experience, right? Um, so, yeah, he may have you know, at the prodding of offer one. Been like, okay, let's rethink this. Let's do something different and see if we can, you know, see a success that maybe we weren't able to see, to see before. And you know, maybe he maybe he is doing things differently.
1: Yeah, I think it was a it's it's kind of a subtle grow on his side, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. So after All Might leaves, the reporter comes out there and um, you know is basically like, yeah, I, I know you're you're the successor. Like he just comes out and says it straight to Midoriya's face. Yeah. Um,
1: which I thought was very bold. It was, uh, it was very like straightforward and unexpected. And then he, he does this thing where he like goes into this story about his dad and you know how his, all Might had saved his dad. And you know, he, he actually makes a mention like, you know, how could you not be a fan of all might if you're my age? Like if you grew up during my era and you claim to not be a fan, you were just lying. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Uh, but he tells this kind of story about his father being at the bombing scene, I guess, that we have seen Midoriya watching time and time and time again, and he was somebody that All Might had saved from that terrorist attack, so we know that he has a reason to look up to him, but I'll tell you, whenever I was watching this episode, I was like, man, this sounds like the sappiest fake story I've ever heard, like he's just (laughs) trying to get some information out of Midoriya, like what a sleazy reporter, and then I guess it turns out to be true, which, I don't know, that kind of shocked me, I, I really thought he was lying here for some reason.
0: Yeah, and he he begins this conversation with Midoriya by handing Midoriya a Polaroid of the the scene where uh, All Might had his hand on Midoriya's shoulder, I think. And Midoriya's like, "Uh, you didn't even have a camera. And then all of a sudden, this dude just starts sprouting camera lenses all over right. his body. Yeah. It was super weird. My notes just said he was holding a regular ass camera earlier, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think he was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now he's just like got all these lenses shooting out of his body in all these places. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can just print them out of my chest. And I was like, what a,
1: what a weird quirk. Yeah, that was strange. That was very odd. And then he takes the creepiest selfie ever with Midoriya. Yeah. I have the same note. I was like, then he takes a selfie with Midoriya and and then is like, I'm going to write a book about you. Like, what a creep.
0: So that part is kind of creepy where he's like, until I published my book on you called When the New Symbol of Peace Was Young. But the even creepier part was, you know, number one, he had the camera lens in his palm. Yeah. And number two, after he takes it, he says, I'm going to keep this one inside my
1: body. I it's just like... like, can you say that in any more creepy fashion? <laughs> like, I'm not going to print this one. I mean, like, I heard that and I thought the same thing, but then I was like, well, maybe he just means he's not going to reveal it to the public. You know, like, it was just a really bad phrasing. But he's also like, it got me to thinking that he's just like a walking hard drive, apparently,
0: because he's talking about using it in the future, but not printing it now. That's true. I wonder how, like,
1: what his uh, iops are. You know, yeah. What's his yeah What's his capacity? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I hadn't considered the fact that he must have some sort of internal storage. Like, I wonder if he has a uh, like a separate part of his brain that he can access. You know what I mean? You know,
0: have you heard of the? Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure you have, but the comic character Taskmaster.
1: Oh yeah, we've talked about Taskmaster on here before, actually.
0: I have. Uh, I wrote a post for Nerds on Earth that covered one of his. um one of his solo like little mini series. I can't remember if it was called unthinkable or unbreakable. One of those two. Um, I think
1: it's unbreakable. Cause I feel like I remember that one,
0: but he, it turns out like they reveal that, you know, he's got this photo reflexive memory or whatever you want to call it. He's like an eidetic learner. And uh, in that, mini series it's revealed that the he, when he learns new things he forgets others because his brain has finite capacity for remembering things so i wonder if this guy is similar where like every picture that he takes that he stores internally and doesn't just automatically print out of his boob um like if that eats up some storage like what what does he forget does he just choose to forget other pictures or does he not remember who his mother is you know no
1: oh, wow yeah like if he has no choice yeah, it's like I, hold on to that picture, buddy. I wonder if it's more like a uh, Sherlock, where he has the whole like a uh, mind map thing, you know, where he like builds places out and stores memory in. Yeah, like, the gardens. memory palace. The memory palace. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's interesting, man. What a quirk. They, they, yeah. I love this world. We consistently see new quirks that make us wonder how they work, and I, I, that's so much fun for me. I love it.
0: I will say this. My final note for this episode is is three sentences. It's so this guy just wanted to see who all might put his trust and hope in. I said I don't I don't like that he knows because the more people who know, the higher the chance are that somebody's going to leak. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like it just like increase the chances. So it's kind of like that saying, uh, three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. I think that's from Benjamin Franklin. Uh, we just had a really fun offshoot conversation about this. I'll post it at the end of the episode in case any of you were interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and certainly more than three people know now, and none of them are dead. The, um, because and, you, you know, have, you have is, heroes and at least one villain that knows. Possibly yeah. two. Yeah, I
1: would be surprised if uh, Shigaraki wasn't completely aware of everything. Yeah, he's, he would be my second. All for one, 100% knows. And I would guess that um, the teleporter knows as well. I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Oh, Sh- uh... Shigaraki's, uh, like, number one guy. Yeah. You think he knows? Yeah, I would think so, because he seemed high up enough to know who All for One was, whereas the rest of League of Villains didn't even seem to know that there was a, a master kind of playing puppetry in the background. Okay. Interesting. So I would think that he, he knows. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I didn't like the fact, because we get this scene, so the reason we're talking about this, we get the scene where uh, Takato is following up with everyone that was at the news station, and he's like, you know, I didn't really get any scoops. They don't really have any of in their information. Sorry. Uh, but I did get you this scoop. And it's like a picture of all my grocery shopping. It was something really silly. So yeah. he, he uses them to pretty much just validate his theories. Right. And I don't know. Now that I know it's a filler episode, I almost wonder if it'll even play into anything at all. Because before I knew that, I was like, man, I wonder if he's actually like a spy or something. And, you know, he's, he was just able to get in and. I don't know. I, I thought there would be more to it than just some random dude wanted to validate his opinions.
0: Yeah, I don't guess so. I, I would be shocked if that came back up again, honestly. But just, just, just on principle, I, it, there's an increased risk with the more people that know. Sure. So.
1: Well, and that pretty much ties us up for episode 64. Uh, nothing, I, I didn't really think like there was a lot in that episode that really carried forward, you know, especially now that we know that it's off book.
0: Nah, Uh, it was a good onboarding place for people who, for whatever reason, wanted to jump in at season four, or at least the other thing that we have to keep in mind, Adam, is we didn't have a year and a half break between what we saw last and what we saw this week, you know? Um, That's true. Yeah,
1: forget that. Like, we watched, you know, episode 63 last week, and we watched 64 and 65 this, like, you know, yesterday, so. Yeah,
0: we're a little spoiled, but um, we, we should struggle with that less and less going forward anyway.
1: Definitely. Yeah, we'll be on the same page as you guys now. Well, 65 is awesome. Uh, I mean, we get introduced right back into... It, it's kind of weird. It almost like there was an overlap of where 65 really picks up in the end of 63. Like, it seemed like they were kind of right hand in hand. Yeah. Um, we're, we're immediately introduced into Overhaul, who is the plague doctor villain that we were talking about last episode. Uh, so we get like kind of a proper introductory to this character. I think that he's a, either a hypochondriac
0: or a germaphobe. I mean, it, it kind of plays into the plague doctor beak itself. Like t- back when the plague was a thing, when the Black Plague was going around, doctors would wear this stuff um, and they would stuff that beak with like herbs and spices because of what what was called miasma, which was the idea that diseases sometimes spread through the air through like decaying right. flesh and stuff like this. And he's got gloves on. He doesn't like being touched, we find out in this episode. Um, and the first thing he does, the first thing he says in these episodes is this place looks dirty. Um, so I wonder if he's
1: hypochondriac, probably not the right term, but germaphobe might be, might germophobe be on. Probably hits it pretty close. Cause I kind of got the same feeling that, and you know, there was a part of me that was wondering if it wasn't so much germaphobe as much as it was kind of low key insulting, like, you know, Oh, you are supposed to be the league of villains. Like I thought you guys would be a little bit, you know, hoity toity than this, you know, with like, mm-hmm. You guys have kind of got like a low, like nasty little, you know, shack that you're holed up in. Like what kind of organized crime are you? Cause that I think it's twice that explains that this is Shia Hasaki, which is basically Yakuza, and he is in fact the number two of this organized crime. And they were kind of explaining that I guess organized crime was different between the League of Villains and this like Yakuza-like clan because they're old school. Like they had existed back when all might first got started and they were aware of all for one and kind of deviated from him instead of post all for one, I guess I didn't really understand the difference between the two.
0: Yeah. So one of the, somebody, it might've been Mr. Compress. I think says, he was asking, he was telling this to uh Togo, Toga. right? Yeah. But I can't remember if it was him or if it was Shigaraki, but somebody said that he was like the Shie hasaikai was like the number two organized crime. Syndicate. I'm assuming number one was All for One and what what he was doing because of the way that um, Overhaul talks about All for One. He's just like, he he was a legend of my generation and stuff like this, or an urban legend even. Um, So Shigaraki is like, well, or somebody,
1: I'm going to get. I think it was Mr. Compress because Toga specifically says something out loud and Mr. Compress is like, oh, well, let me tell you the difference.
0: Yeah. So there's this organized crime and he, I think he even says something like, he's kind of like a, like a a
1: species that should be protected. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's endangered species. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the comment that I was like, okay, what are they talking about here? Is it just because his like organization has existed for a long time? It's because, yeah, like his, because his
0: organization has has persisted in spite of all might all might. Yeah. Okay. That makes
1: sense. That makes sense. That's just me being tired, lack of sleep.
0: (laughs) So, um, Magne is like, well, you know, are you here to celebrate the fall of all might and overhauls like, nah, it's more, it's more than that. It's, it's not about all might. It's, it's about the fact that there's there's an absence on both the light side and the dark side. There's a leadership gap on both sides, not just because of all might's retirement, but because of all for one's imprisonment, there's, there are voids and I plan to step into them. Basically is what he's saying. He says right now for both those in the sun and those in the shadow, there is no leader. And Shigaraki takes this personally immediately.
1: Oh yeah. He's immediately like, all right, so then are you here to challenge me?
0: Yeah. The next leader is me. Um, And Uh, overhaul doesn't miss a beat. He's like, well, do you have a plan? Because a goal with no plan is just a
1: delusion. Yeah. Yeah. I've got in my notes that he has some serious management questions because he's immediately like, all right, well, do you have a plan? Well, if you do have a plan, then what's your hierarchy look like? And if you succeed, then what's going to happen after that? Like, I mean, he's got this long-term goal and he very clearly understands what he wants and, and how he wants to implement it. So he's like, you know, on the other hand, there's you. And then there's me who actually has a plan.
0: I like too, that he takes a second to kind of review Shigaraki's performance as a leader so far, because he runs down the fact he was like, okay, so you had Stain, Muscular and Moonfish. All of these guys are like class A people to have on your side if you're bad, but you lost them right away, you know? And he's like, so either you didn't know what to do with them or you mismanaged them. You can't even manage the 10 goons that you do have. And yet you're still talking about growing. Where do you think this is going to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see him kind of walk in and just like, you know, throw it out there and be like, all right, man, here's where you're kind of messing up. And and uh, that's why I'm going to be the next leader, you know, and he goes into this kind of diatribe about how he doesn't want to join the League of Villains. In fact, he wants the League of Villains to join him and he's there to recruit them. And this just sets everybody off.
0: Yeah, and he does it just for money. I like how transparent he is about it, too. He's just like, listen, I have an income problem. Nobody's just going to start tossing cash, uh, cash at a, you know, an outdated and small Yakuza, Yakuza clan. So I just need your name to line my pockets, effectively, is what he's saying. He's like, listen, yeah. you guys have a brand, and I want that brand to work for me. So yeah, why don't was, you guys uh, join me? I'll be the next leader, and I'll put you to good use. It
1: felt kind of pyramid schemey. you know what I mean? Like if you want to oh, have yeah. like a, like a pyramid scheme for villains... You yeah, they'll hire this is, a villain and they'll hire seven villains and then they'll hire seven villains. And by yeah. the time you know it, we all have money.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely Mary Kaying it up a little bit right
1: here. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. If you get three villains, here's some essential oils on the side. And surprisingly, the person who has the strongest reaction to this is Magne. Yeah, she like freaks out, man. It, it was a, uh, it's incredible because no hesitation, like throws out the magnet is like, all right, well, I'm gonna smash your face in then. And there's actually a quick moment here that I liked where they she's talking about how she became a villain because she wants to have to not follow any kind of boundaries and he's going to be setting them. And so that's enough for her. just throws it out there and is going to wreck this dude's face. Um, unfortunately, that didn't quite turn out that way.
0: No, no, not at all. Magne attacks and she gets exploded by yeah. overhaul.
1: <laughs> I never saw this coming, man. I think I even mentioned like, I want to say this has probably been 10 episodes ago. I said that I didn't think we would ever really see anybody die, die. Ooh. This, ooh, man, this threw me off because it was straight up like there was Magni everywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I have in my notes. I said she's dead and still raining down all around overhaul when he stands back up. Yeah, because and he com- does. He uh, overhaul does get bonked in the head by Magni's magnet.
1: Yeah. And, and but even then, it didn't seem to bother him at all. He was just kind of like, all right, uh, so that's it. You know, I guess I'll head on out. And compress was freaking out. So compress immediately goes after him. And I was curious if you caught this. So Compress's arm, like, explodes. And the moment that it explodes, you see, like, a bullet casing hit the ground. Yeah. And, and then it, it goes right back into, uh, you know, it goes right back into Shea talking to Compress. And it, so I couldn't tell if he was the one that exploded Magni or if Magni got shot with something. Like, because it looked like someone kept Compress from hitting Shea by, you know, just shooting his arm off.
0: No, I think what happened, it's, it's a little clearer in the manga, is...
1: Because that was a pretty fast-paced scene there, and I watched it two or three times.
0: Yeah. Well, whatever it was that Overhaul did to Magne, like, he, like, or scratched her with his forefinger, and then that caused the explosion, I think. And then with Compress, the thing that you're referring to, I think, is something that shot out of a gun from one of the other members that we meet from um, the Hosei Kai in just a second. And it's, it's like a quirk neutralizing bullet of some kind. I don't know how that's going to be a quirk, but it, it okay. shoots. Mr. Compress gets shot with it. And then, uh, his, and then his quirk, quirk doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, because he, he
1: mentions it, that he's like, oh, well, why is my quirk not activating?
0: Yeah, but then he touches Overhaul. And then that's when Overhaul like, swipes his arm. And that, that's what blows Compress's arm off. So I, I do think Overhaul's quirk was responsible for both Magnate and Mr. Compress. What happened? Okay. Then?
1: Okay. See, that's okay. That's really cool. Cause I didn't catch exactly what happened. and I was like, all right, so do we not know what overhauls power is yet? And it just seemed like, cause he keeps saying words like uh, protect or shield or something. And someone else will come in and block an attack. So I was like, well, maybe he's just got these keywords for someone else. And that someone else was what blew up Magni with like maybe a bigger bullet or something, you know, hmm. but that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And he's, and again,
0: playing up his like germaphobe stuff. Number one, when Magne's remains are are kind of raining down on top of Overhaul, he's like furiously trying to rub it off. And then again, when Compress touches him, he goes back to like furiously wiping at his arm where Mr. Compress had touched him. Um, He does yell shield shortly after this because he looks up after he blows Compress's arm off and Shigaraki's like already on his way in with his hand extended. And he yells shield and another member of the Haseikai kind of drops down in front of... Um, overhaul and takes this disintegration from Shigaraki, which makes sense if you think about the Yakuza and the kind of hierarchy language, like organizational language that um, that overhaul was using earlier, that he Mm -hmm. would already have something like that in place. So he is, he's the Godfather. And if he says somebody jump in front of this and take this disintegration Ray essentially for me, then they're gonna. They're probably not going to hesitate to do it.
1: Well, yeah, th- I mean, this guy drops dead immediately, just disintegrates, and that's when Overhaul is like, hey, you know what? I think uh, we're done here. Our body count's even. I'll catch you later. And he, like, throws a card at Shigaraki, like a business card. I mean, this guy's kind of badass. Like, you know, he's just kind of like, he doesn't take none. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, initially, so right before he does that cool, like, business card flip behind his head, um, like, twice is freaking out because he's like, I swear we weren't followed, but... There's all of these other members of the Hisaikai that come through the wall. Um, Some of the ones we recognize from the scene with the Reservoir Dogs, like the really big one you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, He comes in there. Um, We don't know what any of their quirks are really, especially not the dude who just got disintegrated, but... Um, there is one of them that's holding a gun that I think had to have been responsible for the little dart that suppressed Compress's quirk. Well,
1: that's what I was assuming. Yeah. Cause I saw that person and I was like, okay, he must've shot compress and Magne if that's how Magne died. But how you explained it, made, how you explained it made way more sense to me. Um, and, and this was interesting. I had a moment here where I realized that Shigaraki has grown a lot as a villain and, and not only as a villain, but as kind of like a leader. Because when Twice is freaking out, he's like, oh man, come on, let me make up for this. Like, I'm so sorry. You know, I I swear we weren't followed. And Shigaraki says, it's okay. It was probably a quirk. Whereas I feel like season one Shigaraki would have turned around and disintegrated Twice himself. Hmm. So I, I think even Shigaraki is kind of coming to be a better leader to some extent. He's not just kind of killing off his minions anymore. I mean, think about how he treated the season one pawns. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think he, he, he's realizing that there is value in his little league of villains. Imagine living in this world for a second where
0: anything that you can't just immediately explain, you're just like, ah, probably a quirk. Like, how do you live in a world like that? You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to, like, as, you, as you're saying that, I'm like, man, how hard would it be to really know the cause of things when it could just be a quirk that you're unaware of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it makes a lot of science more muddy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's so interesting. He, I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it that way.
0: He tosses his card back behind him, and he's just like, listen, when, when everybody's cooled down, we'll, we'll try this again. But the body counts even at one and one. Let's just call it a done day. Um, I do. Ugh, I wonder if, if, I mean, we don't know anything about the rest of the quirks for the, from the Hisaikai. But if they had rumbled... I wonder who would come out on top. I mean, overhaul seems way crazy strong, but at the same time, Shigaraki did effectively the same thing. He one-shotted somebody with one hand. Um, Shigaraki did the same.
1: Well, I think the big thing from overhaul is because he makes a mention of like, there's no need for us to kill each other's villains or kill each other's minions because we're going after the same thing. Right. So I think from his perspective, it's like, why would I keep killing all of your minions when realistically I just need to kill you?
0: Yeah, he like, needs them.
1: Yeah, he needs them, too. So he'll, he's just going to wait till he can take Shigaraki out of there and then he'll just, you know, adopt the rest because yeah. they're going to want to follow somebody eventually.
0: I think that there's going to be some interesting dynamics between these two groups and they are groups. Like obviously they have figureheads, um, but they are two groups and Shigaraki as the figurehead of the league of villains was having to corral twice and Toga like Toga was like, For I sure. want to go cut him. I want to go cut him yeah. right now.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if Toga abandoned Shigaraki after this, just because she, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them do because he allowed someone to come in and kill one of their own and leave one of them completely messed up i mean you know compress his arm is totally gone yeah so and then not only that but he wouldn't let any of them retaliate like that looks kind of bad from a you know service from a leadership standpoint i guess you could say
0: yeah almost like a low it's a well it's definitely a a low point in morale
1: (laughs) yes exactly yeah you know like like you what you don't trust us to handle these these guys you know like you don't think we can take them down because i'm willing to bet that that's what they heard
0: yeah so i'm 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 kind of excited about this. I'm, yeah. I'm excited about some, some tense dynamics evolving between villain groups. Um, and we, we've, we've already kind of had tense dynamics between some of the school groups, you know, at the provisional licensing exams and all that stuff. I don't know that we've had, like, this kind of odd tension Existing on the villain side of things because everybody's been in lockstep because it's all been all f- all for one in his people for a while. And now it's not that case.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: I, we're, we're
1: in a new age of my hero.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm psyched about that. And, you know, we, we, we still have yet more quirks to discover um, amongst the members of both groups, probably. So as sure. as I'm sure Shigaraki's group's going to continue to grow as well. Where was Dobby during all this?
1: I don't know. Well, and you know, it kind of harkens back to I think it was uh, last episode we covered the Twice episode. Yeah. And Garen had called uh, Twice to ask him, like, hey, where's Dobby at? Like, I'm, I need to get a hold of him. Hmm. So it seems like he's kind of been out of the picture. I wonder if he has abandoned Shikaraki because he was the one of the guys that, like, really believed in Hero Killer Stain's philosophy. And I feel like he had brought that up to Shigaraki at one point in time. And then after everything that happened with all for one and all might, I wonder if he was just like, you know what, this isn't really like what I'm into. You know what I mean? Yeah. At one point in, in the last, three episodes of
0: season three, I think it's in episode 62. Dobby is shown like in an alleyway and there's just a bunch of goons who threaten him and he's just like, screw you guys and just incinerates them all. And he says to them, if you're trash, at least burn and be kindling for me. And I wonder, I, I didn't know what, what to think of that line. Like it didn't sound like he was, I mean, it kind of sounds like he's wanting to build something for himself or of himself but um, I also don't think I've had the thought that he's just done with the League of Villains yet. So we'll have to yeah. see. I was just I curious where he
1: was. I don't think he's done with the League of Villains, but I definitely think he can outsmart Shigaraki. Like, I think he thinks he's better than Shigaraki. Hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I can see that. Like, Because I feel like he thinks he has a more just philosophy. Because from his perspective, I could see him being like, well, Shigaraki just wants this one dude dead for, because his master right. wanted him. Like, I want to follow someone that can think on their own, not yeah. just follow someone else's lead. Yeah, So,
0: well, that's all we get of that particular exchange as the two groups part ways and we're whisked back to the school where Aizawa is explaining to the students that uh, the work program actually kind of got voted down. Like the majority of the staff on a conference call decided that it probably wasn't a smart idea um, to send the first years out, given all that the first years have experienced. And in the midst of this explanation, we have yet again Kaminari playing with Ojiro's tail. Yeah, I noticed Um, that. But they, they, and he does sit behind him in class now that I'm looking at this. But he does, or um, Aizawa says that there's kind of a compromise where the first years will be able to work with companies with good track records. And that's not really <laughs> clearly defined, but there, it's kind of a silly thing that Bakugo initially is like, ha, you guys don't get to do this thing. And then when Aizawa's like, yeah, but they do, we just have to be a little bit more scrup- scrupulous. Um, when we determine who gets to go where, Bakugo gets bummed out again, because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't get to participate, nor does Todoroki. Right. Yeah, because so.
1: they're too busy practicing for their next exam.
0: Right. Um, well, I gotta so, say,
1: we're introduced to a new character here, and I was totally wrong. I think it was last season, we were introduced to this character that I thought was best genist, and he was the one that was kind of tracking yeah. the overhaul. Uh-huh. Uh, it turns out that's actually Sir Nighteye, and he's All Might's old sidekick. Uh, so I was totally wrong on that one.
0: Yeah, so... Midoriya goes after, um, he goes to All Might at the behest or at the prodding of Gran Torino a couple of episodes ago. Like, why don't you just go ask him to hook you up with one of his sidekicks, right? Um, so he does. He approaches All Might. All Might shoots him down. And he says, it's because number one, I oppose the work study program for first years. Number two, I think you've got a lot more growing to do with your shoot style before you should participate in anything like that. And number three, uh, for personal reasons, I'm not going to talk to certain eye, eye
1: Yeah, yeah. And it popped up in like the big uh, uh, kanji letters, you know, and it just said personal feelings. And in the background, it had... Uh, oh, present dude, Mike. Present Mike just going, personal feelings, yeah. <laughs> personal feelings. I thought that was really funny. It had me cracking up.
0: There's actually some good background work during this scene where for every one point that All Might had, there were two, set, two different teachers in the background who were, counterpointing like one agreed and one disagreed i kind of like that
1: yeah it was fun that was uh that was the first time that i heard uh ectoplasm Ectoplasm. yeah and i was like whoa that's cool so the only
0: hint that we get at what all might's referring to when he says that it's personal is at some point it might have been in the conversation that he has with uh, mirio and midoria in just a second but he's like I ended up exactly as he warned, talking about Night Eyes. Right. So is it a pride thing? Like, Almighty's is just embarrassed that, you know, Night Eyes cautioned him about a particular thing, and he just laughed it off, and now he's ashamed?
1: Oh, no, um, see, I think it's totally like a Batman and Robin thing. Like, you know the big fallout between Batman and Dick Grayson, and it causes Dick to turn into Nightwing? Uh-huh. I think it's just like that. Like, I'm willing to bet that they had a big blowout. And, you know, it was night. Eye was probably like, look, man, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is exactly how it's going to turn out. And it's all because you you won't listen to me. And like, you've got these crazy rules, you know, like, I bet there was some big blowout there. I I don't think it was just a pride thing.
0: I wonder if night Eyes was like, you should have killed him.
1: Maybe. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, man, that would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it would make that that would make some sense to me anyway. Yeah, because I could see him being like, you know, you're kind of like Batman not killing the Joker, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So he, All Might, refuses to uh, talk to Night Eyes, but he knows that Mirio Togata has been doing the work-study program with Night Eyes for, we, we find out, for about a year. So he calls Mirio and Midoriya into his office and tries to talk Mirio into introducing Midoriya to Night Eyes for some dumb reason and I don't know why this, maybe this has just been an ongoing aesthetic that didn't strike me until this particular scene, but Midoriya's tie is like tied halfway up his chest, like a super short tie, and Mirio's Um. and All Might's are both like regular length ties. Like does Midoriya just not know how to tie a tie? Is that what's happening here? I'm not sure.
1: I don't know. I never. I didn't notice that at all, to be honest with you.
0: And I haven't thought to look at some of the other students to see if if, uh, any of them are wearing ties that are much, like that are more normal. Um, but I'm looking at it in the manga right now and I'm going, good Lord, that is a huge difference in this, like in the way that a tie is sitting on somebody. So yeah, I'll
1: have to go back and check that out. I don't think I picked that up.
0: I'm flipping back now. Midori's got this short little stubby tie and ida has got a full length tie. Ochako's got a full length tie.
1: Huh? So that's That's weird. weird. I wonder if, well, if you guys happen to know what that's about, let us know. Maybe it's a reference to something.
0: Anyway, um, get back to this. Mirio actually turns to Midoriya and says, why? Why do you want to be a hero? Um, and Midoriya has this string of thoughts, and I loved the way that this was stitched together. So he gives three answers in total. And the manga only visualizes two, and I think that this is a shortcoming of the manga. Like, the anime did this part better. So Midoriya's answers were threefold. One, I want to be strong enough so that no one will worry. And... He is thinking in, uh, in pictures about his mom. Uh, and then he says, and I want to win. And he's thinking about Bakugo. And then he says, and I want to save everyone. And in the anime, whose face pops up when he says that? Do you remember?
1: No, I don't. Off the top of my head. It was Koda. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: In the, in the manga, Koda's face doesn't pop up during, during this. It's like kind of his motivation or his, or, or his inspiration. And I was like, man... That's a sad loss because I thought that was a really, really good touch to kind of make his answer reflect his own motivations that he's learned experientially in the last six months or a year. Um, yeah. To tie them to people,
1: I thought was a really neat trick. That is a neat trick. And speaking of Coda, it's something we totally forgot to mention, and I just thought of this, the reporter from the last episode... Totally stalked Coda down. He makes a mention oh, of like yeah. how he went and found Coda and interviewed him about Midoriya. How creepy is that?
0: I totally forgot about that. You're right. Yeah.
1: That's like, I don't know. You, you said Coda's name, and I was like, oh, yeah, that dude totally stalked that kid. That was strange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mirio agrees. He's just like, I've got no reason not to do it. So let's just do this thing. Um, yeah, I
1: like the way he says it because he just goes, well, that's a crazy goal. No reason I shouldn't introduce you. Yeah. And His then later on, I think. just kills me. I love it.
0: Well, and it's that attitude, and, and, and um, maybe we'll let you talk about this because we get kind of a short little flashback here um, where Nezu is seated across the seat, or across the way, like a table between them with All Might. Do you remember this scene?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we've seen it multiple times, and every time they show it to us, they elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, we we've it's come up like I want to say we've seen it at least three times now where it's basically Nezu sitting down with all Might they're like having a cup of tea. And he's talking about how there's a lot of great potential at UA for his successor. And this time it actually enhances that scenario just a little bit more because Nezu follows up with that. And he says, you know, I think that Mirio Togata should be the successor. He says, you know, even if his grades are low, his smile never goes away. And and that's when All Might actually admits that he was the runner-up for Midoriya. If he had mm-hmm. never met Azuka Midoriya, then Togeta was going to be the next successor. Can you imagine Togeta's power mixed with All Might's strength? That would yeah. be insane.
0: It would be kind of crazy. In, in every one of the scenes, that every time we've seen this scene, there's always been a piece of paper, like a profile, on the table between them. I always thought in every scene, every depiction of this scene prior to this one, that it was a stack of papers. and that. Nezu was basically like, well, here's a summary of, you know, here's a profile of everybody that we've got at UA or here's, right. you know, the
1: top 10 or whatever, but it's just a one. It's just, just, yeah, it's just Togeda. And he's just like, I think this is the dude. Yeah. It, it, was, it was, a cool scene. I mean, it was real quick and short, but I liked it. I mean, it's, it makes you immediately respect Togeda without knowing anything else about yep, it. You yep. know what I mean? Like the, the, the importance of the scene is huge. They really needed it to be here. Yeah. So, you know, you're going into this season with like the utmost respect and thoughts of Togata without having knowing without having being shown anything about him. So I'm excited to see what what he's going to be involved in, man.
0: Yep. It was very well done. Um, it was just a nice little,
1: I mean, 10 second scene. Yeah, if that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, so then we get this follow up scene where Todoroki and Bakugo are actually leaving to go study for their exams because they've got to practice over the weekend. Um, Midoriya is taking a trip to go out to what they they keep referring to him as sir now. Uh, but when they say sir, they're talking about night eye. Right. And it's interesting because like as they're going into this building, which this building looks really cool. I've got it listed as sir's hideout. And it's just like this big, massive, like it, it's like one of those evil villain lair looking buildings. Like, you know, stuff goes down there. You know what I mean? OK, before we get to this. There is
0: a difference between the manga and the anime that I have to highlight. And oh, it's, yeah? It's, it's a Mineta thing, so brace oh, yourself. Oh, great,
1: okay, okay.
0: So in the anime, Mineta and Kaminari are like brushing their teeth, and they're like talking about, uh, what are we going to do today, blah, blah, blah. In the anime, in the subtitled version at least, um, Mineta's like, I wonder what side dish I'll have today. That's what, I, that's what I had him saying in the anime. Did you see that too?
1: Yeah, I definitely saw that.
0: Okay, in the manga... What Minetta asks out loud to Kamenari while brushing teeth is, "Who should I fantasize about today?"
1: What? Oh my god!
0: <laughs> yep, he's just wondering aloud, "Who who am I going to touch myself to?"
1: Jeez, man, that's something
0: else. <laughs> awesome. All right, back to us. Uh, back to Sir Nighteyes, please. <laughs>
1: Yes, thank you. There's
0: going to be a weird moment coming up here in a second, too. So, Oh, awesome.
1: Great. Another moment. This, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it is freaking creepy. Like, I was genuinely strained, like weirded out about this moment. So we're walking into Night Eye's building, and Togeda and warns Midoriya, like, hey, man, you seem like a great dude. I really want you to succeed at this. Because Midoriya asks him, like, why are you doing this for me? And he's talking about how, like, part of being a hero is helping other folks reach their dreams, which I thought was really cool. Like, I'm glad to hear another reason that Togata wants to be a hero compared to Midoriya and Bakugo and all these other people. And Togata gives him a warning. He's like, all right, look, Nighteye has this TV personality kind of thing where he's really serious. People are really scared of him. He's got that, like, evil glare, you know. But in reality, you're going to have to make him laugh. If you can't make him laugh, he'll never accept you for this work study. So." Before you're done talking to him, you gotta make him laugh. Do something funny. So Midoriya's getting nervous because he's like, well, I'm not funny at all, you know? And so he walks in and, and there's this weird scene that happens and I'm gonna let you talk about it, Adkins. <laughs> okay, so I wanna
0: talk about two things here. Number one is we actually have seen this character before very yeah. briefly at the very yeah. end of episode of, of season three, um, but now we know her name is Bubble Girl.
1: Yeah, she was the one that was reporting on Overhaul to who we now know was Night Eye at the time.
0: Yes, and she, her character design is interesting. Um, I just have them in my notes. How is she not in violation of the hotness code with all that under boob? Um, cause she's wearing <laughs> she's like very
1: scantily clad.
0: Yeah. She's so she's wearing like half of a crop top with like a gator on top of it. Um, and then, uh, or not a gator, what do they call those? A dicky? That's what it is. Um, and then she has on the, these very loose-fitting booty shorts over top of like skin-tight leotard things that go down to boots. And so like, like three-quarters of her midriff is completely showing, including fully half of each boob.
1: Well, and to be fair, she's the reason I thought that this was best genus last season. Because I saw her and I was like, Okay, this has gotta be one of Best Genest's weird like, you know, fashion styles. Like, you know those fashion shows where you see people in the crazy outfits that like no one would really wear, it's just like an artistic thing? I was like, Oh, okay, clearly this is Best Genest and that's one of his designs, you know. So there's an even cooler
0: story to this character than that. Oh, um, really? Bubble Girl is actually the winning submission for a submit your own character contest for My Hero Academia.
1: What? That's really cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So this was like a fan art, a fan submitted character. Um, and I I don't have the translation of the thing in front of me, but somebody submitted. I mean, it looks almost exactly like what Horikoshi draws, except the difference is um, that her skin was like more translucent looking. Um, but yeah, I mean, full half boob in the fan art submitted thing huh. too, but this is a fan created character that got that's written neat. into My Hero Academia. How cool is that?
1: That is cool. Like, uh, yeah, that's neat. Uh, that's really neat to be able to like immortalize yourself into one of your favorite shows. How yeah.
0: Cool. So, um, and it does get into, uh, the, the little submission gets into her quirk, but I don't think this episode does. So I'm going to leave it be for now.
1: Okay. Okay. Does it, um, here's a question for you. Does the outfit explain the quirk? Kind of not, like how Momos, or is it really just kind of like a fan service? Thing?
0: Not, not that I'm aware of. I okay. mean, right. I, I don't know exactly how it works. So there, there could be potential some reasons for it. Like maybe they have to, like it has to come from her midriff for some reason, but or from like... <laughs> in the boob pit you know like underneath the boob yeah. for whatever reason okay, anyway okay. anyway it's neither here nor there for now okay um, all right well maybe we'll find out later <laughs> she's trying to submit this report to uh night eyes and he gets upset with her because it's it's not entertaining at all so he does the logical thing uh and straps her to a giant <laughs> device that is labeled tickle hell in the manga.
1: Yeah. Man, like,
0: she's she's manacled onto this vertical table, and he turns this device on, and these little ticklers are going up and down her side, and she's squirming, and he's just standing there in front of her, like, awkwardly close, given what's going on, and it's just staring. And it's
1: so weird. <laughs> it is weird. And the way that they introduce it is even stranger, because you can tell like the way that he, they draw him. He is physically upset in the face, you know, and he yeah. like, walks over to her and she makes this like, I don't remember what, exactly what the comment, but she's like anything but that. And you think like, Oh my God, this dude is going to beat her up. And then it switches over to Togata and Midoriya busting open the door and her just strapped to this machine. And it's like, Whoa, uh, all right. This is what's happening here. You know, like so totally, weird. It is so strange.
0: It's so weird. <laughs> um, and, uh, Mirio seems totally unfazed by this, so this has to be a normal thing.
1: I don't I mean it must be normal at that business. I Yeah, that's what
0: I mean. Like he's seen Night Eyes do this before. Right, possibly yeah. possibly even Mirio's been on that table before. There's,
1: oh man, that's strange. Be, uh, oh man, that brings up a lot of weird questions like does he
0: phase <laughs> out of his Oh, I don't even yeah, want to start. Okay. Just stop it. Just stop it. It's fine. <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> uh, you're, you're pulling the whole Mineta thing yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, um, oh man, this is crazy. So yeah, I was
0: like, yeah, now he's got her in a tickling machine and then I just skipped a bunch of space in my notes. I was like, I'm not even going to, I'm not filling in blanks. I'm just going to let it be. I'm just going to let that breathe. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll s- but uh, so Midoriya now is, sees that Togata. he wasn't messing with him. Like that apparently this Night Eyes guy really does want, to be humored and so he transforms his face Midoriya like does all this stuff with his face and comes up and he has that strangely almighty face like buff buff Pidgeot or Pidgeotto buff um, all my face on him
1: yeah the crazy dark eyes and stuff quick montage of him practicing it over the years
0: yeah and so he, he puts this face on, and he says, my name is Izuku Midoriya, and then Night Eyes, the end of the episode is Night Eyes just going, are, are you ridiculing All Might? Yeah. And, no. and Togata, or and Mirio just being like, yeah, uh, uh, like just totally
1: shocked by everything yeah. that's going like, on. Like, oh no, it's not funny. <laughs> Did you catch, uh, there's a scene, it's like I think right after Bubble Girl is giving this report, where, where Night Eye says something like, a world of peace is nowhere without laughter or something like that. Like he's making a comment about how there can never be world peace unless everybody's laughing all the time.
0: It's very jokery of him.
1: It's, it was really strange. Yeah. I get the feeling that this night, I guys a little, a little out there. I am curious to see
0: what his contribution to hero society is. Cause right now I don't know vigilance maybe, maybe. because he, he is like, he's receiving Intel and he's got people that are, that are, uh, you know, retrieving that intel or providing it
1: to him. He certainly seems a little ahead of the curve on what the villains are doing compared to everybody else. Yeah. Because it seems like all of the other agencies have no idea what's happening.
0: Yeah, and he seems to already know who to watch because he already had a tail on overhaul.
1: Yeah, and that's what's interesting is whenever you're first introduced to him in, in the end of last season, it kind of makes it seem like he is watching the League of Villains. Like he's watching twice. But now that we know for sure that that character's name is Overhaul, you realize that he just kind of stumbled across the League of Villains. He was actually trailing Overhaul from the beginning. Yeah. So Hmm. it kind of... I mean, you realize now that like maybe the League of Villains aren't really that high on the totem pole in some hero's eyes. I mean, I don't think this guy was going after them.
0: Yeah. Maybe he's just getting... Maybe it's the old uh, two birds with one stone thing about to happen right here. Yeah.
1: I think it was a quinky dink. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well... Those
1: are the first two episodes of season four, my man. Yeah, they were good. They, I think they uh, they, they have a lot of uh, future hope instilled in them. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is going to be a really good season.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's more my hero. Um, a lot of the people that tried to get me into this show a while ago are aware of the podcast or listening to the podcast or are excited for us to be a lot more current. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's fun to now be at the point where there's a there's a shared excitement over the exact same point in the, my hero timeline, you know, or very close to it. That's a new experience for me. Um, even with, you know, I, I, have the mangas on hand, but I, not all of them. Um, I only buy what it is that we're, you know, covering. I'm not reading ahead. Um, but you know, that, that opportunity is out there. If people are just like, you know what season four is taking too long, you know, there's six more volumes of the manga out right now. Um, yeah, I think they go to 20 or 21, and we're about halfway through um, the 14th one uh, here now, um, wow. as far as where our recording is. So There's
1: a lot more of My Hero out there than I thought there was.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. Plus, you know, Vigilantes, and they got those little mini novels and all That's kinds true. of stuff. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. a big, it's a phenomenon. I'm glad we picked this one. It seems to be you know, at least culturally relevant and um, people are talking about it just like us. So Yeah,
1: definitely. Man, you know, I'm thinking about it now. They could make a really great, like, uh, MMO with the My Hero world. You know what I mean? Like, design your quirk kind of deal. That would be 100% nuts and I would
0: love it. Yeah. I don't know how you could do
1: it, like, design your own quirk thing, but it would be cool. It would be pretty cool. I mean, well, because we know there's only three classes of quirks. We went over that a couple episodes ago, so right, I guess you could have, like, you know... DLC and all kinds of cool stuff where you like you add to those classes man that would be fun yeah anyways if you're out there and you design games pick it up man yeah but you know
0: royalties are a thing so remember right. where you Keep heard us this that's just, right just in the
1: credits we'll be happy with that at the very <laughs> least become
0: a patreon supporter and leave us a five star review on iTunes that there might be enough go. for us
1: that's that's enough for us and do with those that, two I things think,
0: and bring us the game and we're good
1: yeah yeah definitely and with those things I think that will bring us to a close this week
0: all right guys we're looking forward to a couple episodes more in season four I hope you're uh keeping up with us staying in step with us and we will uh tune in next week and talk about episodes uh, what episode do we end off with 66 and 67 is that right
1: yeah and i think it probably won't be next week it'll probably be two weeks so we'll Could pick you weeks. guys up in a couple weeks uh when because there's a gap going to be here i think it's uh, episode 67 is actually going to be the week that's delayed okay well, so well we'll see you guys in a couple weeks see you guys There's that old saying is something like uh, three can't keep a secret or two can't secret keep a secret or something. I, I'm not even going to say that. Never mind. Like, what is that saying? I, do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, two people can't keep end. a secret. Okay. That's good enough. I guess. <laughs> that's good enough. No, I swear. There's, no, okay. Hold on. I'm going to have to Google this because I know there's like a saying about secrets like that. All right. Let's see what I can't find. Okay. It's actually a Benjamin Franklin quote. Okay. Three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. Ah, okay. Yes, that makes so, sense. Yes, it makes sense in this context. Um, anyways, I'm going to cut a lot of that, uh, and <laughs> I'll just, I'm going to start off with that saying.
0: <laughs> it was fun.
1: Okay. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. S-I-M-S-O.